0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we're doing called Life in His Story. And uh, this series, we're looking at and talking about um, the the historical church year, the church calendar, the Christian year. It's known by different ways. It's a a series of um, labeled sort of um, weekends that have been going on in the church for thousands of years. And uh, it's, it's more than just sort of a, a series of commemorative holidays. It's, it's really a, a way to help us tie in to the, um, the acts of Jesus, the Messiah, in the course of the events of his life. Uh, so it, it helps to give us um, our lives context in relationship to where we are in his story as we journey through the events of his life year after year. And, and so it's just a, it's a, it's a help in... Um, our times of reflection and pondering um, in the Lord and, and our prayer times to sort of think about, you know, where we are in, in his story. So, you know, the years started, you know, in a, in a secular version, we sort of had just had Christmas, but and even though that was like four weeks ago, that's well past now. I mean, you're not even thinking about Christmas. Most of you have the stuff put away and it's just gone. And Christmas, you don't even think about Christmas until, you know, uh, July. Is it Christmas in July? I don't know. Uh, whenever you know when all the decorations go out in the stores april um so gets earlier every year But see, in the, in, the, in, the, in the Christian year, in the church year, those events should still be very fresh to us. You know, Jesus has come and uh, incarnate, and he's, he's, uh, he's entered into the world. It's fascinating. And now we, we, we move from that into this season of epiphany, which is where we are now. And, and uh, uh, the, the original, you know, the big epiphany was was Jesus appearing and making himself known to the Gentile world with the wise men. But this season of epiphany continues on, and it's a time for us to reflect on um our our walk with Christ I said that an epiphany is it's a revelation it's a light bulb sort of going on it's a it's a new perspective on on you know where we're at and what's going on in our lives and today um this is the this very fancy name for today the second Sunday after the epiphany yeah next week has a pretty fancy one because we actually move out of epiphany next week because Easter's coming up so quick New season. Sometimes Epiphany can go this season six weeks, but we only had three um, this year. Today what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on knowing who we are in Jesus. We're going to talk about knowing who we are in Jesus and how important that is. But before we do, a little story. And listen, for this story to kind of work, um, you have to momentarily suspend the idea of omniscience. Um, because God is omniscient, means he knows all things, and yet for this little story to work, we're going to just forget about that for a moment, okay, uh, just put that aside, then bring it right back after the story, because it is real, and it's a big theological thing, so, uh, but for the sake of the story, all right, so God's looking down at earth, just recently, and he, uh, he sees that things are a mess, wow, what a mess, and he says, you know, I, I want to get a little more information um, and so he calls one of the angels you know that are around he said hey listen I want you to go down there check it out for me and sort of give me a report on where people are at I, I don't think they're doing really really good and so the angel says okay and he goes and checks things out and he comes back and he reports to God And he said yep yep you're right it's really bad there on earth 95% of the people are really just out doing their own thing they're they're not doing what they ought to be doing it's a pretty big mess 5% are, are really sort of living by trying to do the next right thing God sort of you know shakes his head and says wow I, that's that's a lot. Let me get a little more information. So he calls another angel. And says, "Listen, I want you to go and do the same thing. Take a little, you know, survey what's happening. Give me some details on what's going on, on the earth." So the second angel was sent. The angel goes out and he comes back and he reports to God. And he goes, "Yep, yep, true. Um, the world's absolutely in decline. Ninety-five percent are sort of doing their own thing, not not really checked into where they need to be. Five percent are really trying to live, you know, rightly and doing the next right thing." God just really shakes his head and he goes, well, listen, here's, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send an email to the 5% that are really trying to do the next right thing because I, I wanna encourage them. I wanna help them keep going because the future of the world depends on them. And do you know what that email said? None of you got that? Not one. Nobody got that email? <laughs> I was hoping, because I didn't either, so I'm, I was <laughs> counting on you guys. we got a lot of work to do. I'm trying to theme my stories to have epiphanies with them. So. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It takes as long as a sermon sometimes. The scripture reading is John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples has also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the uh, the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory And his disciples put their faith in him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Today's scripture reading is about Jesus at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. Pardon me. Um, It's Jesus' first recorded miracle. And at this wedding feast, Jesus changes water into wine. And that's a miracle. Um, The word miracle also means a sign. And this miracle is a sign of God's power to transform creation. It's a sign that in Christ, our life is to be changed. It's a sign of God's ability and power as ruler over all things in heaven and earth to give us new life in his spirit, a new way of living, a new living way. See, it's much bigger than the whole, oh yeah, the the water and wine where people want to get stuck. It's a a picture of the transforming power of Jesus over creation. And of transforming power in our lives as his creation. And and today, what we all need to have is an epiphany on who we are in him. And we're going to take a look at the new and living way he made for us together here in three quick points. So, first point. Very simple. One, new New. I love this new thing in God. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. God is in the new business. Revelation 21.5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Write it down. He's making everything new. I love that. New mercies, new day, new start, new life. I like knowing that, that I get started in the day and today is a new day. I wake up and I get a cosmic do-over every day. I've used that term before and I better better define it in case you haven't heard me talk about that before. Um, do-overs are something that we had as a kid, I had as a kid, um, growing up, you know, around other kids, we would, uh, we, would we didn't have video games back then, um, we didn't have electricity either, no, I'm teasing. Um, so we would we would spend time out playing, which is what kids did, and and uh, because of that, you'd play a variety of games, and you'd play a lot of them during the day, you know, you were kids, and they would change, and you'd play a game, play another game, play another game, and, uh, and there'd be a group of you. And... Um, uh, if you were in a game and at the very beginning of that game, you got out all of a sudden so that you couldn't be a part anymore, um, you would evoke a do-over. I need a do-over. And it was great because the other kids would go, oh, okay, sure, let's go, we'll start over. You get a do-over. Wasn't that cool? Isn't that a wonderful thing, a do-over? So that you could still be a part. And it's one of those things I wish had carried over into adulthood. Don't you wish you had like in, in, your, in your relationships, just do-overs? You ever do anything stupid and you know it right away? Don't you wish you could get an immediate do-over? You say something to your lovely wife that you shouldn't have said, don't you wish you'd just go, "Ah, (laughs) do-over? Absolutely. They just look at you and go, jewelry. (laughs) Do-over, (laughs) do-over, jewelry. I love do-overs. The other thing that should have carried over, I've said this before from childhood, is naps right after lunch. Um, Used to fight them when I was a kid. I wouldn't fight them. And again, wouldn't it be great think about your work day? Wouldn't it be nice if one of the things you had to take every day to work was your nappy pad? (laughs) Just strap that baby on. I'm ready for work. (laughs) After lunch, all the lights get nice and quiet. Okay, everybody, nap time. Thank you. Wake you up in an hour. Sweet. Um, but what we do have in Christ are these cosmic do-overs and, and see what that means is I get to enter his throne room as a new creation because of what Jesus has done I'm forgiven in him I'm presentable in him I'm acceptable in him because in Christ I'm a new creation the old is gone the new has come I'm new in him. What an amazing concept that is. And it's one that I want you to make sure you get a hold of. That that you understand this process. That God now sees you in Christ. He sees you in Christ. It's not about the mess that you are. It's about what Jesus has done on your behalf. And he has made you new. The one who transformed water into wine. Is transforming you in his spirit. And God sees you. In that transformation, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We get brand new starts with Him every day. Now, this impacts second point: living, living. John 10:10. 10, 10. The thief, that's the evil one, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. the 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 thief, the evil one, does not want you to experience full life in this new and living way. He wants to try and trap you in the old and dead way of living. He wants to steal away that you can have life now in Christ. And, and one of his favorite tactics for that is he tries to keep you focused on the old way in which you used to live. Um, he tries to keep you from seeing yourself in Christ as a new creation. He, he wants to try and get you to focus on your mess, on your brokenness. He wants to use your guilt and your shame to keep you from full life, to steal from you, to kill, to destroy you. He wants you to get stuck in your past. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great mercy, uh, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The thief, the evil one, doesn't want you to know grace. Because he doesn't want you to have life. I talk to a lot of people who are stuck in their past. They're stuck in their guilt. They're stuck in their shame. They're stuck in their anger. They're stuck in their hurt. They're stuck in their bitterness. Their perspective of life is passed through a series of old, dead filters from an old, dead way of living. And people that are stuck... In yesterday, stuck in all the bad things they have done and, and and stuck in all the bad things that have happened to them, don't live. They don't experience life. They're stuck. Now, see, the reality is you can't change yesterday. It's in the books. There's nothing you can do about it. So worrying about it doesn't change it. You know, just going over and over and over, it doesn't change it. You know, rehearsing what you should have done differently doesn't change it. Nursing bitterness doesn't change it. Uh, it's, it's done. The only thing it's good for now is maybe to teach us how to do things differently as we press on forward. But you can find no life back there. There's no life. All that's back there is an empty shell of life. There's, a, there's, there's guilt and shame back there. There's hurt back there. It's a, you know, it's a fallen world. It's a broken planet. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. We've all had things that have happened to us that we wish hadn't happened. Some horrendous, some, I'm not making light of that. Some horrendous, but it's back there. All you can do is learn from it and press on in him. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, Paul says this, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that through which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, look, I'm not perfect, but I'm not gonna live in what's behind. I'm gonna press on to what God has called me to in Christ. My perspective is not behind. My perspective for life is in him, pressing on in him. This new perspective, this epiphany is found in the third point, is found in his way, his way. Romans 12, one and two, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. His way, his will, not the culture's way, which is a reflection of the evil one, not trapped in guilt and shame and fear and worry, but, but having a throne room perspective on the full life, of a disciple every day every day throughout the day we can enter into the glorious throne room of God the most holy place and because I'm a a new creation in Christ uh, uh, God sees me in Christ I'm pressing on to the life that he's called me for I'm living by trying to do the next right thing I make a mistake sometimes, I'm messing up, but I'm running back to God and asking for forgiveness and he gives it to me and he loves me and he encourages me and he says, now go and do the next right thing. See, do you get that? Do you get that when God sees you, he's not all bothered by all that mess that you've done? Because it's covered under the, in the cross, it's covered. You go thinking, I'm such a mess and I'm all this. You might not go exactly like that, but you know what I mean. That was a deeply theological statement. Thank you. Um, But see, that's not how God sees you. Sees you in Christ. Sees you through his beloved son. Sees you in the perfection of Jesus. And he's for you. He's for you. That's the perspective you gotta have. That's the epiphany we have. I'm a new creation in Christ. That mess, I can just learn from it. I can't live in it. Life is found in him. Life is found in his story. And that's where he wants us. Amen? Amen. If you're watching on television or video, thank you so much. We appreciate you spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is. And uh, please come and check us out and watch us soon. If you need anything, you need prayer or anything, go to our website, keysvenue.com and uh, send us an email and we'll pray for you. Thanks for watching.